0: Hey everybody! This is the man, the myth, the legend in my own mind, A.K.A. <laughs> Gilbert. How y'all doing out there? And you are definitely listening. The raw is nitro podcast, baby. <laughs> with my man, Lee Carlos Cunningham. How you doing, brother man? Long time no see. Look, keep listening to Raw it is Nitro, because this is Gilbert telling you this is the baddest podcast out there. <laughs>
1: All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates T V ratings and declares our own winner in some of professional wrestling's biggest head to head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined by one of the most essential workers going in Britain, Richie von Sexington. How's things,
2: Richie? I'm not sure about essential, but certainly uh keeping the world going. <laughs> one computer at a time. Yes,
1: fixing it one computer at a time. I tell you what, after um, Hospital staff, IT guys have got to be the most in, deba- in demand profession in the world right now, and you should be demanding every penny you can get.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty mad. I never thought in this this uh, situation that uh, the IT profession would have people talking to them outside of IT, which is bizarre. Just put us in a room <laughs> in the dark, leave us with a Star Trek. <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it. Um, but no, at least you're working and staying busy, and I keep on interrupting your schedule to re- record podcasts. So um, I'm obviously not working or busy.
2: Well, you know, got to keep you out of mischief. you misses. missus. Uh, otherwise, we'll have to deal with you.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think um, my bad influence after three weeks now at home is starting to rub off on the kids because just before we jumped on uh the girls were having a shower and my three-year-old called out to me that she was busting for the toilet so i've lifted her from the shower to the toilet put her on walked away for a second to check on the big one come back in and she goes don't worry dad it's just a big piss yeah yeah yeah
2: (laughs) you've you've done well there
1: (laughs) my wife cannot wait for me
2: to go back to work (laughs) yeah that's that's an influence you don't want to be given Certainly when she gets back to school.
1: Well, they've just announced five more weeks of no school over here, so my girls are in trouble.
2: Yeah, yeah, you need to be back at work, mate.
1: (laughs) But while I'm not, we've been watching a lot of wrestling, and this time around, we have checked out the January 16 episode of Monday Night Raw and the January 14 episode of WCW Saturday Night, I I think it was, from memory.
2: Sounds about right. Either that or I've watched the wrong thing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the second week of Raw and the corresponding Saturday night, so um, which one did you check out first this week?
2: I went for Saturday night. I was actually looking forward to it. Oh, lovely,
1: lovely. Um, I believe I went Raw first, but I've opened my notes to Saturday night, so let's head on over to WCW and see what they've got to offer. Let's do it.
0: Coming up next on WCW Saturday Night, the final match in the U.S. title contenders tournament will feature friends and former teammates Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the natural Dustin Rose bad blood that began in last week's main event will continue tonight when Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff battles Cactus Jack. An exclusive amateur video will shed new light on Eric Watts' controversial arrest after an altercation with Arn Anderson. All this and more action next on WCW Saturday Night!
1: We get another rundown intro from WCW before going back to the commentary team of JR and Larry Zabisco, who are standing with Cowboy Bill Watts, so his first appearance on this timeline, and he's here to tell us that Rick Rude has been injured and therefore stripped of the United States title, and tonight's number one contender tournament final, Dustin versus Ricky Steamboat, will be for the championship itself.
2: It's not the worst way to start, is it?
1: No, I can live with that title match to main event Saturday night. Um, and a decent match to start us with as well, because we've got Barry Windham and Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, not quite the Hollywood blonde yet, but heading there, taking on Brad Armstrong, Johnny B. Badd and Two Cold Scorpio. I like this for a six-man opener.
2: I'm not usually a big fan of six men, but uh, no, this just certainly had me uh, on the edge of my seat.
1: We get a really quick start with Pillman and Armstrong in there, obviously. The crowd are really hot for this as well. It's obvious they're up for, for what's being shown tonight. Um, I'm quite jarred early on with Austin in blue tights with stars on them and hair, no knee pads. It's just quite a different look for old Stone Cold here.
2: No, he's got he's got a like side pot in losing his hair. Look, no goatee. No, it's just, it's wrong. It's wrong on every level. <laughs> he looks about 30 years younger than he will in five years. Yeah, the uh, the beer certainly catches up on him.
1: <laughs> we get a drop toe hold by Armstrong. Uh, we get a beautiful drop kick by Johnny B. Badd, an arm bar. And then we get um, a two cold Scorpio pair of drop kicks and a cross body for a two. A lovely looking spin kick before we get Barry Windham in for a big suplex and a two count. A knee lift and then all six men brawl, allowing Barry Windham to pick up the DDT amongst the chaos for the one, two, three, and giving the heels a winner in the opener here. Not Not a bad start.
2: I loved it. I thought it was just, it was a great six man, but made sense. Which, as time goes on, six men just become a, more and more of a cluster. But no, I, I thought it was a great start.
1: Not bad at all. And from there, Barry Windham goes to chat with our commentary team, or Larry Sabisco in particular, um, and he cuts a promo on Dustin Rhodes and says he'll be watching the main event very interested later on. Before we go out to our first commercial.
2: Slightly telegraphed what he was about to do. I don't think anybody needed him, anyone to tell it, but I guess they need to keep people watching. So it's a little bit I of a teaser. So I...
1: And speaking of teasers, the next promo does just that because it's Vader and he invites Sting into his white castle of fear. Oh, man, I cannot wait for this.
2: I was like, when we started this, I thought, we'll just do the week TV. We'll just do the, the weekly TV. We'll stay out of the pay-per-views. And then uh, there's the Royal Rumble coming up, and then the White Castle of Fear, and I'm like, "Yep, that's a wrestle crap favorite. I'm gonna have to watch." <laughs>
1: it's um, is it Super Brawl? Is it? Is that the pay per view that's coming up for WCW?
2: Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's 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 February, so it's quite a distance off. I think I think because they have the clashes and things, but uh, I was like, "No, I've, I've got to watch it. This this is what this is the stuff that dreams are made from."
1: Well, maybe maybe we could just do the the rumble up against the February pay per view since
2: there's not pay per views every month in '93. Yeah, it might it might might be might be easier to do that. I don't think '93's rumble renowned as a, as a classic per se, but that's probably makes it more fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think there's a really... Oh, no, maybe I'm remembering the, re- the years wrong. We'll have a look at it. But I think the Rumble's coming up after this show, so might be worthwhile doing the Rumble and then chugging along with TV for a bit and coming back to visit against the next pay-per-view.
2: Even a bad Rumble.
1: Still the Rumble. Absolutely. I think you've sold me on it. <laughs> um, Vader then takes on Tim Dixon, and Vader is not expecting this to last long because he doesn't even bother putting his gloves on for this match. Oh,
2: he, out, he just destroys he just, He just turns up, pummels him, throws him around, and then it's like, we're watching the death of Ken Dixon.
1: He kills him. The- he hits him with a couple of like big ho-train attacks and then puts him in the corner and beats the ever-loving shit out of him.
2: And usually nobody puts Ken Dixon in the corner. <laughs>
1: hits him with a slam a splash off the second rope which easily could have got the three but now he picks him up and gives him a powerbomb for good measure then takes the one two three i hope he got hazard pay for this match
2: i mean there's that story of people turning up and seeing they were taking on the uh, road warriors and just leaving i can't help but think that vader was not that far down the list of oh, I'm, on, i'm on vader watch this week i'm uh, i'm out of here boys
1: yeah, I can't think of too many people other than maybe the Steiners that I'd least rather face than Vader in a squash match.
2: Yeah, you get him potatoed.
1: From there, we go to the former champion. Uh, Teddy Long is with Ron Simmons. All we really need is JBL, and they could have filmed an episode of Table for Three here. <laughs> and it's a pretty generic face promo saying he wants his belt back before we go out to the next commercial. It's not
2: bad. It's fiery. Uh I do like that Ron Simmons doesn't really change his promo relevant of what persona he's got because he he still promos like that when he's uh, Farouk the gladiator, then Farouk the nation leader, and then just a bar brawler in the APA. Yeah, Farouk is going to Farouk no matter what. Yeah, nobody tells Farouk what to do.
1: Now we go to our um, next interview. It's Tony Schiavone with Eric Watts. And we see some video footage. This is really, really... Um, it's different. Let's put it that way. Eric Watts is filling up the, his gas tank in the car. And a little girl comes up wanting an autograph. Slightly hard to believe, but let's just play along for the sake of this. He gets out and gives her the autograph. And he's such a nice guy. He sits a girl on his knee for a photo and checks dad's happy with everything. Before Aunt Anderson <laughs> strolls over starts to go to town or attempt to go to town on him. Eric Watts hits him with the car door and on the floor of the petrol station locks in the STF as people squeal and call for the police who miraculously turn up eight seconds later. <laughs> what was this nonsense?
2: They, they were trying to be a bit cinematic. What I particularly like is, as, as the video starts before Arn turns up, are you aware of like the uh, the groups like Dark Justice that go around catching men that like the attention of young children. They're like vigilante groups I, across I England.
1: I have heard of them only because um, my brother used to be really into, like, reading their chat logs and laughing about all the, the pedos being caught. Um, back when To Catch a Predator was a hot show, he would yeah. love to show me this stuff. He thought it was the funniest thing going. Th-
2: this is what this video looks like. They're, it looks like they're setting him up. <laughs> and on is actually Dark Justice, because Arn doesn't stroll on looking <laughs> like a wrestler. Wrestlers, wrestlers dress like wrestlers, but Arn turns up looking like a mad dad. Like he's got some <laughs> slacks on, he's, 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 I think he's got his glasses on, and like a, a, a v-neck, and, and he's like, he looks like he's beating, beating up Eric Watts for an entirely different reason. <laughs> All we need to do is to, to tell Eric to come and take a seat over here. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just like oh, fuck. It, it couldn't look any dodgier. And then at the end of it, it looks like Eric's beating up the uh, concerned dad. You could sh- you could show <laughs> that video, uh, even with most of the commentary with commentary off, but the 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 sound on, and say this is from Catch a Predator or uh, whatever. Uh, in-depth documentary, and people were like, sick fuck. Why don't you have a seat? I just need to get home. I'm not doing the show. Go ahead and take a seat. But I'm not going to do this. Take a seat, right over there.
1: (laughs) Eric Watts' face is not going to make anyone protest his innocence that
2: doesn't know him. (laughs) It's like, well, this is weird. And then she sits on his knee and you think, this is weird. And then he kisses her. And you're like, whoa, what the... What am I watching? Well, the dad'd the dad'd
1: be going to jail too because he keeps on telling her to give him a kiss, give him a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> it's not right. Oh fuck, this is awful. <laughs> well, yeah, Anywho, uh, skipping skipping we on. We then go to um, Eric Watts cutting a promo about the incident, and you know when I lock on the STF, only the referee can stop me. And there were no referees at that service station. And fuck, I just put, this is one of the worst promos I've ever seen. He should have been fired for this promo alone. And the fact that he kept the job means
2: Cowboy Bill Watts gets my dick move of the week. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the fact that not only does he keep his job, but he continues to have something to do in wrestling, including TNA.
1: Yeah, he's, um,
2: how did you stick around? He was just awful. Yeah, well, he's in Techno Team Two Thousand as well, isn't he? I think, and that was also awful. Yeah, any 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 group in any form of media that's got a year afterwards is going to be shit. It's <laughs> it's just the rule. It's like LOD Two Thousand.
1: Yeah, if it's got Two Thousand or a prefix of new, it is going to
2: suck. Yeah, yeah, without doubt.
1: Speaking of tag teams that suck, we now go to the Wrecking Crew, Rage and Fury, taking on Keith Cole and Chris Sullivan. And Keith Cole's mullet is an absolute 11 out of 10. It is amazing.
2: It's not only is it got some of the longest hair ever used in a mullet. We're talking like prime taker hair here. We're not talking like just a little rat tail. We're not talking Tiger King here. We're talking full on (laughs) luscious locks. But no, no. He's gone in and asked for a flat top with it. It stings flat top and Ricky Morton's mullet combined into one. It is glorious. This man spends his day to day looking like that. This is a jobber. This is a man who's probably got another job. <laughs> Not a well-respected one is my guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he just hunts rats or squirrels or something in the in the uh in the bayou, because that's the only reason for that air (laughs) The jobbers actually get quite a bit of offense in early, which
1: is surprising, but I guess the fact that I don't know who wrecking crew are means maybe it shouldn't be that surprising. When they do take over control, there's some poor offense. Fury does the lifting choke that you'd see like Undertaker do or Albert or people like that, and he doesn't even lock his hands. So The guy is just holding himself up off his wrist, so he's not choking him at all. Um, It's pretty poor. Uh, it's a bit of a dull match. They finish it with a with the wrecking ball, which is a backbreaker, um, as in an over the shoulder backbreaker from one of them, and an axe handle off the top from the other. So, not a great match at all. And I imagine this is why they don't last all that long, that I know of.
2: I think the only reason that the wrecking career in there is one of them's a Laurinaitis. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I looked it up because I was like, I, I like to look up these teams I've, I've never heard of. Uh, and I, don't, I can't remember his first name, but if you're the least known Laurinaitis after Animal and uh, John Laurinaitis, you, you, you basically don't exist as far as wrestling history goes, I think.
1: Yeah, you're right. I do recall them having another brother that was a wrestler. There you go. Great spot. I did not know that. I'm more rubbish than Johnny Laurinaitis. That's a claim, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the third best wrestler in a family that includes
2: Johnny Ace yeah. good god I <laughs> least interest in road warrior yeah. ouch <laughs>
1: next up we've got Tony Schiavone with Dustin, it's a bit of a nothing promo uh, about the main event um, him and Steamboat on this show will each cut a a pair of pretty bland babyface promos. In between that, though, we go to the Super Brawl 3 control center. So there you are. It is Super Brawl, the pay-per-view we're talking about. And it's JR talking about Vader and Sting before they go to a commercial and come back for that Ricky Steamboat pre- uh, promo. That, yeah, we um, they basically each just said they're going to give their all and make sure you give your all back. Nothing to write home about from either of
2: them. Now, uh, typical bland babyface, meh. So, from there we go to Max
1: Payne taking on Rick Savage. And Max Payne is one ugly fucker. He words don't do him justice. He's just in a horrible black spandex outfit. He must be about six eight, bit overweight, long greasy black hair. He looks like the pirate and Bam Bam Bigelow had a baby, and it's just it's not pretty at all. He should have been called Max Munter. <laughs> That's brilliant. (laughs) There's not much to the match. He hits a suplex, a German suplex, and finishes it with an armbar. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be someone that really becomes anyone of
2: note either. No, I don't think we're going to be looking back at uh, this podcast going, well, who would have (laughs) known?
1: From there, we go to Larry Zabisco with Vinny Vegas, and I have a feeling he might become somebody a bit down the road, you know?
2: Possibly. There is uh, quite a big chance he might make something of himself.
1: And just like Tony Atlas last week, he's decided that he wants to arm wrestle heavy metal Van Hammer. Um, You've only beaten me once, so I want to do it again. I really can't believe there's a storyline that you've already beat me in an arm wrestling contest, but I'm given promo time to ask for another one. I don't think this is going to be too enthralling
2: somehow. No. Given your love of arm wrestling contests, I bet you're not looking forward to it. (laughs) What I am looking forward to though is the babyface
1: babyface push of Cactus Jack. We get a retrospective on Cactus, a little video package. It shows him taking a beatdown from Vader, Harley Race, and Paul Lawndorf, where they basically dumped him, and then it shows him at the Clash of the Champions coming out and opening the cage with bolt cutters to help Sting and Dustin Rhodes get a win over the three heels. Um, that would be Vader, Paul Lawndorf, and Barry Windham. We get a Cactus Babyface promo as well, which I'll splice a little bit of here.
3: Harley Race, Big Van Vader, Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful. Do you have a clue as to what you got yourselves into? You don't have a clue! Well, let me tell you this. You took me down from behind. A blatant cheap shot, and I can excuse that because I've been guilty of the same. You drove my head into the mat. You splashed me off the second ropes. You made my insides go quiver. And I can excuse that. Mr. Wonderful Van Vader, you did the inexcusable. You made people like me. They put their hands together and they cheered for Cactus Jack. You know what that does? It takes away the hunger. You see, all my life, i fed off the hatred of the fans, and you took that away. So I go to plan B. You see, Cactus Jack needs hatred to gnaw. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to feed on my hatred for the both of you. You're going to pay tenfold for what you did to Cactus Jack. I guarantee you, you want to feed on me, I'll feed off of you. And it comes to appetites for pain, I've got the biggest there is. Do you understand? What we're talking about is a smorgasbord of violets. And nobody cooks it up better than Cactus Jack. I guarantee you, you take a bite out of Cactus Jack, the taste will make you sick. Bang Bang!
1: And it's, yeah, some um, early Mick Foley babyface work, so... Probably not the best he'll do, but it's cool to see him sort of working on that at this point in his career. Didn't expect to see too much babyface work in WCW from Foley if I'm being honest. No, I was a little bit
2: surprised. It's, uh, his, his cadence hasn't changed. He, he he talks like he will do for the rest of his career. It's like almost like promo and him, promo him. He just had sorted straight away. Because he's he, he, he's already more... Interesting than a lot of the other baby faces or about to turn baby faces, just the way he talks, it's very uh, engaging.
1: Yeah, not bad at all. I did quite enjoy seeing this. Um, and speaking of baby faces, early on, we now go to Marcus Alexander Bagwell in singles competition. Do you still flick on and see what's on the show ahead, Richie, or do you not bother with that since they've changed the layout of the network?
2: I uh, I try to not do now they've changed it.
1: This one had me interested because I just saw Marcus Alexander Bagwell in singles competition, and I'm like, have they got like bad footage and they don't know the name of the jobber? Because they normally only do this for Benoit. But no. Uh, Gary Michael Capetta says, this is a special challenge match, and it's Marcus Alex- Alexander Bagwell taking on Chris Benoit.
2: Yes. That, I wasn't expecting that.
1: Nor was I. We got some really good chain wrestling to open up. Uh, JR tells us all about the fact that he's the rookie of the year Which we talked about last week We get an enziguri, a drop kick And an arm drag from Bagwell Benoit goes up top for a crossbody And gets a two Hits a nice drop kick and a back suplex for a two And then he starts pulling Bagwell off the canvas By the hair to the referee's admonishment Does it twice Then he goes for a third And Bagwell gets out and does it back to him For a bit of turnaround His fair play we get a clothesline for a two from Bagwell. And then Benoit locks on a dragon suplex for the one, two, three. This was a really good match for early WCW Saturday night. I enjoyed this.
2: I really enjoyed it. I thought it was even better when you'd start taking into the uh, account. It's like 93 and you've got this new flavor of wrestling before everyone's doing it. I thought it was really good, which is hard to say when one half of the, the wrestling match is uh, it's Chris Benoit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, but um, no, a little treat this was, I enjoyed it. From there, we go to Tony Schiavone with Pillman and Austin. They are demanding a two-out-of-three falls match for the tag titles because anyone can pick up a fluke win once, but in the two-out-of-three falls, the best team always wins. So, not a great promo here, but you can see they're working on it and they will get there pretty quickly, I imagine.
2: Yeah, to me, it's like Austin's brain's going slightly quicker than his mouth can... Can do the words it's just a bit of practice but I, i'm not sure about their logic i think i would rather go for uh just a fluke win and win but that's that's me it's wrestling logic indeed we go to another challenge match which i'm
1: guessing is what they say whenever there's not a jobber involved and it's this time cactus jack taking on paul laurndorff they brawl very early and this is um It's a decent little brawl. Orndorff here is in tremendous shape. You can obviously see the difference in size between his arms, but he's still in great shape and looks a million bucks.
2: Yeah, I was looking out for his arm. Uh, And actually, unless you know what you're looking for, you can't actually tell how much damage he's done to it. He doesn't seem to have a lot of full
1: frontal shots in front of the camera. I, I don't know if that's by design or just the way it works when the match is moving quickly. But yeah, you've got to be looking for it to pick it up because his other arm is still quite toned, even though it's a lot smaller.
2: Yeah, it's not like it's completely noticeable. But even then, I think he's probably spotted where the cameras are and he just works around it.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. They brawl along the outside and then a top row backs handle from Orndorf, a bulldog on the floor with no mats, which look pretty sick. It's a bit one-sided, actually. Orndorff's getting a bit of a beatdown going here. Locks on a chin lock and the crowd start on him with a Paula chant. We get a clothesline to come back from Cactus and then elbows him and Vader comes out to help. They absolutely kick the shit out of Cactus for a minute and we get a crowd chant of We Want Sting but rather than Sting, we get the Barbarian. I didn't see that coming. He comes out and we have a four-man brawl before going out to a commercial break.
2: It it was an interesting one to throw out. It's a bit like throwing Rey Mysterio out in that Royal Rumble when they wanted Daniel Bryan. I was like, We Want Sting, We Want Sting, We Want Sting. Oh, it's Barbarian. I mean, it's it's not a bad <laughs> one, but it's it was uh, it was odd. I, th- I think this was maybe a situation where uh, they thought Cactus Jack was at a certain level, so like at barbarian's level, so you'd expect the fans to chant maybe for or not chant for him, and then they they, they see him higher up up with Sting, like Sting should be coming out to protect Cactus Jack because he's a he's a bigger star or we like him more.
1: Well, he is facing Vader, and Cactus helped him at the Clash, so it does make sense, I guess. Yeah. We then get Ricky Steamboat taking on Dustin Rhodes for the now-vacated United States Championship. Steamboat confuses me because he's wearing both tag team titles, I guess while his partners have all been injured, but it's just weird seeing him come out with two belts and they're tag belts.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm never a fan of that.
1: He starts off with a slam before Dustin comes back with a power slam. We get an arm drag from Dustin and a drop toe hold from Steamboat, a backdrop, a slam and an abdominal stretch from Dustin, And then a slam for a two and a crossbody for a two from the steamer. A clothesline for a two and a bulldog for a two from Dustin. We get a suplex and a top rope crossbody for a two from Steamboat before the ref gets bumped. Steamboat goes for a crossbody, but Dustin sort of half ducks, eats a little bit of it, and Steamboat flies out over the top. This allows Barry Windham to sneak out and DDT him on the floor while Dustin and the referee are both down inside the ring and don't see it. When the referee comes to, he begins counting both men down, but Dustin gets to his feet. And wins the championship by a countout. Not a good way to win it, but a good match before the shitty ending. I, I enjoyed the match, if not the ending. What did you think, Richie?
2: Yep, it was a great match. Uh, Dustin Reynolds Reynolds Runnels, Dustin Rhodes, get the name right in a minute. is is a lot is a lot better than uh, I think I've ever given him credit for. When you go back, when I go back and watch all the stuff, even the, the gold stuff, uh, Steamboat was great. I think, the, for me, the finish felt a bit flat, but I think that was just just must have been the finish they booked when he, they were going to face Rude, and they couldn't think of a way to get out of it, which, if you look at it in that context, you'd probably feel less cheated that Dustin was going to get the win uh, and Re- Steamboat was screwed, but because they had to put the title on someone, uh, it's just a bit crap. It doesn't really... It doesn't, it doesn't crown a champion.
1: Yeah, I'm just never a big fan of a belt changing hands on a count-out. But you're right about Dustin. I think that the problem with Dustin was always that he has had patches of really good in-ring work and patches of really good character work but never really combined the two at the same time. And if he had it done, he could have been one of the biggest stars there was.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's, it's, Austin often mentions it on his podcast that uh, he probably could have done it with gold dust, but they pulled the – pulled the rug out from under his feet, I think, when they start to get a bit twitchy about people complaining. It's like, well, you know, what did you expect with that character? Indeed.
1: From there, we go to JR and Larry Zabisco, who interview the new champion, Dustin Rhodes. He doesn't have the belt for some reason, and he's shown footage of the DDT, and he leaves the area to go and talk to Ricky Steamboat as the commentary team sign off for the night. Overall, a really good show. I think Raw's going to have a bit of work to do to beat this. I'm not sure if they upped their game because of the debut of Raw, which is just a coincidence, but this was a good one, and I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really entertaining. I, I, I tend to think when I'm doing this that uh, I didn't notice it was an hour and 20 minutes passing. It was like, you know when you look back at it, and you're like it's boom, 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 i what's watch this, this, and this, and then it was done. I was like, that's an hour and 20 minutes. It's not like, like a short program, but it, it there was no part I was particularly bored with. Uh, and all the wrestling was, was entertaining in, in, in the way that only WCW probably then could do.
1: Indeed, indeed. I um, really, really enjoyed this. So props all around. And if you want to go back and watch some early 90s WCW, I highly recommend this
2: one. Considering this time period does get a bit of a kicking as well. I'm, 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 thus far, I'm uh, pretty pretty pleasantly surprised.
3: Peace God. Peace God, now this shit is explained I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane It's like that jaw, it's like that jaw It's like that
1: Now, before we head over to Raw, uh, we normally have a bit of a chat in the middle here about a piece of memorabilia. Um, I actually have something that I was going to chat about this week, Richie. Go for it then, my friend. Um, While holidaying a couple of years ago over in the UK, I was staying with my good friend Mark and... um, as he wanted to do, he had a, a little welcome package waiting in the bedroom at his place when we went to stay with him, and in there was a WWE coloring book. And locked up in isolation this week, I've been coloring in WWE pictures like a Big Child.
2: It's been a good laugh. That sounds amazing. There's There's no limit to the things that we will do to pass the time in situations like this. It's like an adult coloring book that's not geeky.
1: <laughs> i'll post a couple of pictures on twitter after the episode drops and show everyone my effort coloring in finn balor and a couple of the other guys that i've done so far trying to pass the time with the kids
2: have you gone felt tips or uh have you gone for color, colored pencils uh my daughter pulled out the felt
1: tips so i started with them Ooh, brave
2: move in case they start to run out
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i she's got an art trolley so i think we'll be all right i think she's probably got a few sets
2: uh, it's your new podcast welcome to coloring in with lee carlos cunningham <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't say I'm very good at it, but it was a good laugh and helped pass the time.
2: Yeah, it sounds fun to me.
1: So, Raw, the second ever episode of Monday Night Raw, starts off with the same commentary team, Vince McMahon, the Macho Man, and Rob Bartlett. And Rob Bartlett rips up a picture of Bobby Heenan on camera, but before we can let that sink in, Macho's jumped from behind by the Repo Man, the sneaky sod. He steals his hat and gets the hell out of town. And I've just put, holy shit, like, Repo Man jumping the Macho Man. What a way to start.
2: I was like, this is all... Unexpected, And I watched both of these back to back. So like it, I went from from WCW and relatively sensible gimmicks to the repo man taking on the knee, ripping in the hat of basically a neon cowboy while uh, somebody rips up a picture of Bobby Heenan. But the problem was he ripped it that quickly. I was like, is that Bill Clinton? No. <laughs> How is Bobby Heenan? Just because like, <coughs> I was thinking, well, Vince probably would rip up a picture of uh, Bill Clinton and him being a Democrat. And I was like, no, you're overthinking it. Just rewind it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. It's like we started roaring a fever dream.
2: Yeah, I was like, what the hell's going off here?
1: And then just to jar us back, we go to terrific Terry Taylor taking on Mr. Perfect in a nice, clean, technical wrestling match.
2: Helmet watch on Mister Perfect. Fine this week. He was, uh, I think, he must have been told about the last time we saw him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't mind this, but it felt a bit out of place because you've got the basically, I don't know, it's like proto ECW like setup. You know, Vince is very close to the crowd, and the crowd's very close to the ring, and there's the the balconies, and it, it looks a bit. A bit scummy it's 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 not like a fancy nightclub where there's a velvet rope it's more the fancy nightclub where you pray you never need the bathroom look <laughs> and then terry taylor and mr perfect come out and have a really good technical match and it's not sort of like you, you think now they should be brawling
1: yeah um i know i quite like this though um we they exchange a couple of slaps early on uh, before the the wrestling really gets going. Macho Man's not happy on commentary, by the way. He just wants Repo Man and Terry Taylor um, keeps on p- keeps Perfect chasing him. Bobby Heenan phones in to argue with Rob Bartlett, and that's a bit of a waste of time. These phone ins leave a lot to be desired for me. They've never
2: worked. They don't work later on either.
1: No, we get a hip toss from Taylor, an arm drag from Perfect, and we go to a commercial. When we come back, Terry Taylor hits a jawbreaker and a backbreaker for a two, then a spine buster for a two, and a gut wrench powerbomb for a two. Perfect hits an inverted atomic drop and his perfect neck snap. Before Ric Flair comes out, um, Terry Taylor knocks Perfect out of the ring, and Ric Flair attacks him, but Perfect fights him off quickly, gets back in the ring, locks on the Perfect Plex for the one, two, three, and then runs after Ric Flair as we go to a commercial. So there's chaos all around in the first couple of segments.
2: He did pick up. I, I mean, I uh... When I say it wasn't that the wrestling was out of place, it's it's a good match. Uh, I I think, and it's a trait they have continued to this very day. The commentators spend far less time discussing what's going on in the ring. You've got Bobby Heenan phoning in, Macho Man putting himself over about his his hat. Uh, to me, it does take me out with it a little bit, which is odd given uh, that I grew up watching the Attitude Era. Other than that, pretty good start. I completely forgot Ric Flair was there at this point. So he came out and I was like, oh, wow, that was unexpected. Yeah, don't get used to it. <laughs> well, no, no, I'd, uh, I realized what was going to happen next.
1: We then go to a couple of commercials, which I'm going to splice in right now.
2: Emotional consideration paid for by the following. To be
0: the World Wrestling Federation champion, you gotta want it every day. It takes an integrated approach to training, and that is what Ico Pro is all about. Ah! Gotta have beef, gotta have spice, need a little excitement. Snap into a slim jim.
3: Oh yeah.
1: And as you just heard, it's the Bret Hart Ica Pro ad and the Macho Man Slim Jim ad to really, really date where we are in time.
2: Nothing sets you up more than uh, seeing Macho Man snapping into a Slim Jim on WWE television or WWF.
1: (laughs) And then speaking of dating um, the time period, Vince McMahon calls out Bret the Hitman Hart, who comes out in an amazing combination of one of his ring jackets, no shirt, and blue jeans. He
2: looks an absolute treat for the eyes. I think he's also got. You only, you don't see it. You only see it when he comes out. I think he's got like big boots on as well, not cowboy boots, like workmen boots, with the jeans tucked into him. I think I couldn't tell. Oh, jeans tucked in the boots is such a wrestling attire. Yeah, I, basically, Brett is many things, but he's not the best for is best for was best for ever will be at dressing himself. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. He cuts a promo on Razor Ramon, calls him the lowest scum in the WWF, and says that he wouldn't need to stick up for Stu Hart if Razor slapped him because Stu's, you know, strong enough to stick up for himself. I don't think a Razor Ramon-Stu Hart match is going to draw that many buys,
2: though, personally. No, although uh, I I think he's still correct in the fact that uh, Stu would destroy Razor Ramon.
1: Quite possibly. Although Razor Ramon does have a justified... Justifiable homicide on his record, that, so it could be a tough
2: match. That is true. The uh, squeeze then... of pain from is it wrestling with shadows that emanate from from the uh, dungeon has forever put me off wanting to go anywhere near that house.
1: I do not blame you. Um, the story I think Chris Jericho tells of um, him flipping eggs and cleaning catch it with the same spatula did the same to me. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, 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 that's not right. It can't be. Um, We then go to another promo, which I'm going to splice in for you here.
3: Oh, with my Undertaker's victims into the ring, they have a choice. But in Somalia, too many people are dying. The World
0: Wrestling Federation is putting a headlock on hunger.
3: No one should starve to death.
0: It all starts less than two weeks away, Friday, January 29th at Madison Square Gardens. The WWF kicks off. It's Headlock on Hunger. I'll be there along with other WWF superstars.
1: And this time it's The Undertaker cutting a promo on the Headlock on Hunger. Oh man,
2: we're just getting all the hits on this show. It's just like, of all the people you've got, you've picked The Undertaker to to come out and do... People die from hunger. And you've got somebody who's known as the dead man or the undertaker <laughs> and Paul Bearer saying they're going to fight it. It's like, have a think, lads. <laughs> oh, it's
1: <that's> classic. <laughs> and then we go to Marty Gennetti taking on Glenn Ruth. Do you recognize
2: Glenn Ruth, Richie? I believe he is the uh, non-beaver cleavage version uh no, he's no. He's the non-beaver cleavage member of the Headbangers, I believe.
1: You are correct, Headbanger Thrasher. He, he jumps on March uh, on March uh, on Marty Ginetti early here, but Marty turns it around pretty quickly. Um, sure, Michael's phones in, and I can only assume he's got news for us.
2: I mean, why, why else would he be phoning in?
1: <laughs> he calls Marty Ginetti a simpleton and says he'll beat him again, and he knows what Sherry will do. Marty Gennady works over the arm for a, a little while. Doesn't do much during this phone call, actually. It's a pretty slow match before finishing off with a rocket drop before the 1-2-3. Of all the Marty Gennady matches I've seen, this has to be up there as one of the worst, if I'm being honest.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's because he's working with maybe someone who's a little lack of experience at this point, but I, I, I thought this was a bit of a nothing.
1: Agreed. We go to a commercial for the Royal Rumble that we very foolishly decided we're going to review now. <laughs> Damn it. And um, Vince sends us the footage of Doink jumping Crush with a fake arm. That angle seemed to go forever in a day, so this will run right through WrestleMania, so buckle up for Crush and Doink, mate. Oh,
2: I could live without that. But what I like is Vince is screaming, he's just, dis, dis, what was it, he's removed his arm, he's taking it off at the joint. And it's like, is that really the first thing you thought of, Vince? Not a fake arm. (laughs) Doink has an arm he can take off and put back on at will. (laughs) (laughs) It's as bad
1: as later on when there's two of them and Bobby Heenan calls it an illusion.
2: Is there two of them? No, 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 it's... (laughs) Jesus. He's he's taking it... You think if he could remove his arm and put it back on, he could probably make more money with medical science than being a (laughs) clown in the WWF.
1: More than likely... We then go outside to Sean Mooney, who is with Repo Man wearing Macho Man's hat. So that's a sight for everyone that lets set in. And it's at this point in the show that I start to get really annoyed with Rob Bartler this week because he's just trying the same gag. Check on my car. Make sure he's not repossessing my car. Can you go and look for my car? And he just won't stop saying it.
2: Yeah, he's, he... last week wasn't exactly a highlight for me, but he did manage to get worse this week. Uh, and... it. it... <sighs> It's like when you've got, like, a group group, group of people in a pub and you're having a laugh, and then that one person says something that they find funny, but no one else does, but they won't leave it. And then the, yeah. the more they keep doing it, the more you go from, all right, that's fair enough, just to, like, you start to feel embarrassed for them. And it's like, no, no, just leave it now, please. <laughs> and, and he doesn't. Uh, th- this isn't bad, but I don't know where it's going, because, uh, well, obviously I don't. So I'd, I can't work out, because Macho Man's a commentator, whether I'm expecting Macho Man to come back to the ring or if it's one of those weird feuds that they're going to have where no one actually has a match.
1: I think it's just one of these... Um, I, I remember this from when I went back and watched the first few Raws a few years back, and I'm pretty sure it's just one of those angles they do over a couple of weeks of raw just to build interest and make it seem more meaningful than squash
2: matches. Yeah, I've got a sneaking suspicion that the Repo Man probably won't catch on.
1: <laughs> probably not. He does argue with Macho through Sean Mooney's headset for a minute before we leave. And then we go to our Royal Rumble report. This time it's razor cutting a promo. Um, Gene gives us a few names who are going to be in the Rumble. Um, all the ones you'd expect. Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, um, Macho Man, Yokozuna, etc., and we see Macho roaming out in the streets of New York looking for Repo, and Rob Bartlett still worried about his car.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just... He it doesn't add anything, and we've got loads of this to go.
1: <laughs> we then go to our main event, which is El Matador taking on Ric Flair in a sentence I never thought I'd hear myself
2: say. I was like, surely he still can't be with them in 93. <laughs> And then, then, then,
1: and then there he is. And 93 is around the, the, the time of the steroid trial, right?
2: Yeah, definitely 93. Hogan, when he makes a reappearance, will be a shadow of him former self.
1: Well, thank God Vince wasn't on trial and hadn't sworn under oath here because he blatantly lies to the entire world when he says, you know, Tito Santana could win the Royal Rumble.
2: Yeah, yeah. you The... Even well, I think this might even be the winner gets a shot at the title, so it's like even less chance Tito Santana's going to win this. I've got more chance of winning the Rumble, to be fair. <laughs> 100%. Um, the match itself isn't too
1: bad, though. We get a shoulder block and a slam and a headlock takedown from Tito. The crowd, unfortunately, chant, let's go, flare, so he never has a chance here. <laughs> he hits a clothesline and a drop kick, and we go out to our, our commercial again. When we come back, Flair hits an eye poke, a snapmare, and a knee drop. Vince McMahon tells us that Macho will face Repo Man next week, so we'll get him in back in the ring. We get a backdrop from Tito, and Ric Flair goes up top. I assume everybody knows what happens. He then takes his patented corner bump. Uh, Tito hits a knee lift and a flying forearm. But rather than pinning him with his finisher, he decides he'll try for one more. Ric Flair ducks, and Tito flies over the top rope. But this is just the cue for Mr. Perfect to run out and they brawl to the back as we go out to another commercial.
2: I enjoyed that match.
1: Yeah, I did. And I thought the fire in the brawl was quite good as well. So overall, good segment for me.
2: Yeah, that uh, made me a lot more interested than I thought I would be when they first started. I I thought uh, this was going to be a bit of a... Obviously, uh, Mr. Perfect's going to come back out. But actually, no, uh, the way it was done quality piece of work
1: from there um, when we come back Flair and Perfect brawl from the back not to the back and they get pulled apart eventually and Flair goes up to Vince and I'll splice in his little promo here
0: don't talk to me the rules now the WWF isn't big enough for me and Mr. Perfect so right here live and front of God and the whole pretty clear, you can't get any clearer than that. Rick would look at him. One of us stays, one of us goes, not out of the building, but out of the WWF. I can't believe you had risked your career, Mr. Flair. I can't believe you would do that. And I'm not too sure that Mr. Perfect is going to do that either. I can't believe, and you started I can tell you, right now, You're not mad enough. You haven't got the guts. And you will never see the day in your life you beat Rick Flair. Take a Prozac. That's uh, pretty clear.
1: Effectively, he's asking Perfect for a career versus career match. And Perfect then comes out and accepts.
0: We didn't have to wait. I don't know if you heard that challenge or not from Ric Flair. He states the WWF is not big enough for the two of you. He's going to put his career in the WWF on the line if you will. You're talking about meeting Ric Flair and the loser has to leave the World Wrestling Federation? Here, right here next week. Are you kidding me? I'll take that in a heartbeat. Ric Flair, you're gonna be gone. McMahon, you know me, everybody knows me. I am what I say I am, Flair. You want me, you got me right here. I must say, I can't imagine you putting your career on the line like that, or even Ric Flair. It's going too far. Both of you are great competitors, why risk that? Is that what it has to take? Ric Flair, is that what it's gone down to? The two greatest athletes in the World Wrestling Federation? Only one man will stay in the World Wrestling Federation. I'll take that challenge. I'll put my career on the line right here. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, we don't have to wait too long for his reply. Um, This is a great little segment. Had a lot of heat, a lot of fire, and the crowd seemed to really love it as well. I enjoyed this. Well, assuming you
2: didn't know that Ric Flair was done, then there's no way to second get. I mean, we've got hindsight, but unless you were following probably Meltzer... And... Then uh then this probably felt like it was going to be an exciting angle leading to WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, this is um this is brilliant and yeah, a career versus career match on the third ever
2: episode of Raw, it's a really big deal. Yeah. I th- I think it's Ric Flair's one of those uh must be one of those people I think that Vince McMahon really respects the fact that he Ric Flair basically says, Yeah, I, I want to go back to WCW and he lets him out. You know, he lets, yeah, He I, lets him out. He just lets him go. That that doesn't happen to many people.
1: I'm told um, coming in that Flair was given a handshake agreement that if he was ever not going to be on top, he'd be allowed to walk. And I just watched the Ric Flair episode of the Broken Skull um, session on the network today, and Flair said on that that apparently um, he was offered a chance to do a program with Razor where he'd put him over or he could go back to WCW and that was the choice he made. Um, pretty good choice, you'd have to say, because they were definitely moving Flair down the card. Um, actually, that's a good episode on the network if anyone wants to watch it, but God, I'm so sick of seeing Ric Flair cry. Like Austin's not an emotional guy. He didn't bring up anything traumatic, and Flair just has to cry every time he's on camera. Yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's not his greatest. Well, it's good the first time. Charlotte's says bad. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that this was a really good match, and even to give him a loser leaves town... Match, it's not in a way, it's not going out on your back because, like, loser leaves town, but then he's got something to go into WCW with to, to, to counteract right it. Basically, handing their, his rival their biggest known star back, hardly tarnished.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good angle, um, going out hot. Absolutely. And unfortunately, Raw doesn't go out hot because they decide not to leave well enough alone and they end it with a segment where Repo Man, and you guessed it, he has repossessed Rob Bartlett's car. But other than that, we'll let that little bit slide. An enjoyable episode of
2: Raw. I did really like this. It was definitely better than the first one. Far better pacing. Um,
1: And that gives us a tough decision to make this week because we've got to pick ourselves a winner.
2: I think this week will be a tricky one.
1: Well, let's get into it. The, the hardest one for me to split was probably the crowd heat, and I couldn't split them. I went with a tie because I thought both
2: shows had hot crowds. No, I agree. The, uh, the difference may be that I think Raw's looks hotter, but I think, again, that comes back to the setup, that it's it's far more accessible. You can see it, but I think I, there wasn't any dead crowd moments, as far as I could tell, on either show. So, yeah, I'll give it a draw.
1: Yeah, and you're right about the fact that it's it's the visual of it, and for that reason, I gave WWF the production value win, as I normally do. Did you go that way, or did you think WCW had
2: more to offer? No, again, the you, do, you so if you look at the two programs, it's difficult to believe they're both made within a week of each other, because WCW looks old-fashioned and... Whether you like it or not, Raw looks looks well for 1993. Quite modern. Uh, so for me, the WWF's got to win because they're keeping up with trends, whereas WCW is sticking to stuff they've done all the time, which, in a way, is is part of the problems they have. Is and it's the thing that uh, that often they talk about the the, the falling wrestling fans is that. You've got to keep updated to get new fans, even without trying to lose your old ones. And WCW looks probably the same as it did in 88. Uh, which is, it's not bad, but it, it's dated.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, the next one, I guess, then, is storyline. Who do you think had the better storyline advancement on the
2: night? I, I think for me it was WWF... Uh, it probably would have been WCW. I quite like the, the, the Cactus Jack, Orndorff, Barbarian stuff. I like the Dustin Rick stuff as well. That was And, and Barry Windham was certainly well done. But I just don't think he could beat the uh, Ric Flair perfect story that kind of didn't dominate the show but was always there. And also the fact that it's leading up to the, the Loser Leaves Town match. I know that you've got to put up with macho and repo, but I think that Ric Flair and perfect was better for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, that was the, the highlight of all of the stories. I do think WCW did a good job of advancing their storylines, particularly with Barry Windham crowning a new United States champion and things like that. Um, but probably the WWF inches it by an absolute whisker on this one. Um, I couldn't split them when it came to characters, though, because I thought they each had a couple of big names on the show and a couple missing. I didn't really have a preference. What about you? Did you think one highlighted their characters more than the other?
2: I I would, again, I mean, because you take in one program that's 50% the length of the other one, I think they both did what they needed to do. At the end of the day, WWF had Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair, and Marty Gennetti, who, although he's a bit of a punchline now, was considered a pretty big star then. Plus, you've got Macho Man and all that. And on the other side, you've got the heavyweight champion. You've got uh, the young'uns, as it were, I guess, then with Pillman. So I, I just don't think you can you can split it. it there's, there's not. It's not like one of those weeks where WCW puts out Sting, Vader, Cactus Jack, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and then the WCW has Repo Man versus IRS versus... Uh, I don't know. Papa Shango was, you know, you know that that level. So no, no I, I reckon straight down the middle.
1: And that leaves us with the last one, as always, match quality. Who do you think had the better matches?
2: Uh, Overall, I found that WCW were probably better, but again, that the content. It, it had to be better because it lasted longer. I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that uh, that wrestling for wrestling's sake can get quite boring. So you've got to keep keep it uh, mixed up, which every match at WCW did. So for that, I would say they were the better wrestling. Uh, the Gennetti match certainly wasn't a highlight on the other side.
1: No, I think that Gennetti match is probably the reason why I went with WCW as well. I just felt that they really missed an opportunity with Marty Gennetti in the middle of the show. Perfect and Terry Taylor was quite good, and Ric Flair and El Matador was quite good. But the six-man tag and the Dustin Rhodes-Ricky Steamboat match probably edged it on the other side of the fence. So I went with WCW, which means Raw gets a narrow win over WCW in Week 2. But it's a lot closer than I thought it would be, especially when I realised we were watching the episode of Raw that set up the loser leaves town match. So, overall, an enjoyable week of wrestling for us to watch, mate. I had a blast doing these two. Yep,
2: I enjoyed that. The uh, the thing that I find really weird about the, that scoring is, I'm pretty certain if you were to ask me which one I preferred watching, I would have said WCW. <laughs> but but yeah, interesting. Yeah yeah, I, I would have said that that's the one I would have picked. But I guess you know, it's it's the parts make up the the hole, doesn't it? You know, the you cut it down. It probably isn't, but I thought it was more enjoyable. I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, watching the next one and squeezing a rumble in. I'm not sure how we're going to manage that. Cause that means we've got a, a, rumble, a clash of, no, not a clash, a rumble, of Saturday night and, uh, a roar to get in somewhere, but I'm sure we'll manage.
1: I wonder if it might be easier if we just watch the Rumble as a standalone when we get up to Super Brawl and comparing them both. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know the winners of all the matches on the Rumble in advance for 93, so nothing's going to be spoiled for me. I'd be happy to wait for Super Brawl and review them both together if you want to do it that way. No, that's
2: fine by me. You know, a Rumble's a Rumble. Even the winner, even if you know who the winner is, it doesn't take away from the from the event unless Vince gives away like 50% of it on the Raw the night after which is always slightly irritating
1: well I I can tell you we've got uh, the 30 man rumble we've got Brett versus Razor and Marty versus Sean on that event so they're the three standout matches
2: job done I think yeah we wait for the wait for the uh, Super Bowl
1: Perfect. All right. Well, that will do it for this week. Another highly enjoyable episode. We're squeezing these in while we've got the time. Sorry for pestering you while you're still working, but I am enjoying this little storyline rum run at the moment.
2: Got to keep you out of like I said. Plus, uh, it <laughs> means if I'm watching uh, old wrestling, then I don't have to think about uh, today's uh, content. Although I will, uh, I will uh, ask a potential controversial question. What did you think of the uh, Bray Wyatt John Cena uh, fire firehouse fly house of fun? I enjoyed it,
1: but I guess I've got to put you know around that the fact that i don't really care about anyone's character being ruined or anyone's credibility going into a title feud because i'm not going to watch it as a standalone event i enjoyed wrestlemania both nights i'm being perfectly honest i thought the firefly and the boneyard match were the two best parts and they were the two non-ring segments and i thought some of the in-ring stuff was where it let itself down so for me i was really happy they changed up the format and went this way
2: what about you well I i the, the the boneyard match was uh an odd one because I was like it's really well done but it ain't wrestling, but at the end of it when the Metallica riff kicked in and he drove off, I had to at least say that was well done i was I was being a bit bit curmudgeonly with that one the, the the bray wyatt stuff i i didn't i wasn't as out outraged but I don't think it made any sense to any new viewers there was those was, it was far too anybody watching WrestleMania for the first time, everything would have gone over their head because they what they were referencing was very very uh, sort of like you needed to be a fan to know about it. But I, I quite like the three hours to watch. I th- I don't think it would be bad to do it again. I, people, I feel sorry for more like Drew McIntyre. You know, he gets his title win, but it, it's kind of a little bit flatter than it would have been.
1: Yeah, I agree on that one. Um, I think a lot of the performers missed out on having the crowd there, but it, it made the really good workers step up and some of the, the less experienced ones, I guess, got you know pointed out a little bit where some of their quality is lacking and they've got to work a bit more on, on what they do. But overall, it was good to have something to watch because there's nothing else on at the moment that's live.
2: No, no. Uh, I see they've, they're going back to doing live uh, this week, I think, or next week, the WWF.
1: Good luck with that. I don't think it'll last a month.
2: No, I have a feeling that uh, it's it'll be a fiddle, given that Vince has shut down the XFL and filed for bankruptcy already.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see how we go, but good luck to them for now, at least we've got something to watch if you, if you are so inclined. Um, I won't be, I'll be carrying on watching old school wrestling like this and enjoying it while we do it, and Stay tuned, because the next episode we're going to bring you out is going to have that Loser Leaves Town match between Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect, and I, for one, cannot wait.
2: Neither can I. I'll catch you next time, matey.
1: Perfect. Thanks a lot, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Toodaloo. The end is here
0: The game is over No more pretending No more!